Welcome to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. This is Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman Jr. People call me PG, and I'm so honored to lead this amazing ministry that is really trying hard to glorify God. Listen, thank you for tuning in. Matter of fact, go to our website, tbcaugusta.org. You can find out about all the wonderful things that we're trying to accomplish for the kingdom of God at our church. Matter of fact, you can also give through Secure Give, Giveify. We pray that you will partner with us as we once again do all that God calls us to be. Well, let's get into that word and that experience. I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. God bless you. And praise him better than that. He is an awesome, incredible, amazing. Oh, come on, insert your own adjective for God. This is this is a moment when you should talk about him for yourself. Every hand lifted in the sanctuary. I know the sanctuary looks beautiful, but we still can worship. We can still honor him with poinsettias and garlands. Come on, just extend your hands upwards, and for a few moments, you talk good to him yourself. Sometimes we come to church and we just, we want someone to talk for us, but this is your chance to talk good yourself. For you know how good he is. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every head bowed. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We honor you in this moment. God, you are an incredible God. And as we come to this time of sharing, we're hopefully and prayerfully going to once again grow through our understanding of the word of God. We're grateful for this Advent season, season of expectation. And so, Lord, we know that you're just that kind of amazing God that you do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. So now I pray that our hearts would once again be in tuned with your spirit. I'm praying now for every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're here live in the sanctuary or viewing us via live stream. It is our prayer, God, that you would move in an incredible way. So, Lord, we acknowledge your greatness and your grandeur. And we simply ask that you would simply show up in this place. So God, now I pray that you would touch me afresh. Take these feeble lips. Anoint me with your power. Allow me to share your word with precision. Allow me to share it with clarity. And Lord, as we begin this series, I'm praying that you allow us to grow and be helped in this time. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hug somebody on your left and right and say, neighbor, I'm just happy to see you in church today. Amen. All right, one more time. Give God some praise. Amen. Because I, I love you. Because I, I know this is still Thanksgiving holiday. I almost want to tell you to do 100 jumping jacks because some of y'all are still got a little bit of itis in you, amen, and still wrestling with that tryptophan uh, from all week, um, and so I hope y'all don't treat me like the earlier services. They still were a little slow, amen, uh, from the cranberry sauce and from the dressing. Uh, I hope none of y'all got a hold of some bad potato salad. Ain't nothing worse than some bad potato salad, amen, and uh, whatever you did to participate, if you brought ice, God bless you, you had an important part Amen. Amen. Say, neighbor, if you brought ice, you still was part of the party. Amen. One more time, let's give God some praise. We celebrate his goodness and all that he's done for us. Amen. Well, guys, it's been an incredible week. Let's get to work. Matthew chapter 2. We're beginning a new series today, and I need your, your room and space 
priestess, I thank you so much for being a part of all that we did this week. Monday, hanging in the greens, beautification ministry, amazing job at both of our locations. It really puts us into the mindset of the atmosphere of Christmas. And then on Tuesday, man, you guys are the most generous people in the world. You allowed us to be a blessing to so many people. We raised a record number of cans this year. And also, we're able to feed the rescue mission from Wednesday throughout the weekend. Come on, let's bless God for that. It's because of your generosity. Amen. And so I'm going to tug on it again because, you know, Toyland's coming back up. And we have close to 1,000 kids uh, who have registered. And so that means we just need a whole lot of gifts. Amen. And I know some of you are going to say, you know, Pastor, the reason for the season is for Jesus. You are absolutely right. But I know firsthand it does mean something to a child to get something uh, during this time. And if we can help in any way, I want you to give your best gift. Let's help them. Uh, let's help each other. It's not just the children, man. If you see the looks on the parents' faces, what an awesome thing for us. And we feed them. I hope we feed them. We do a lot of things to help them and encourage them because we don't just bless the children. We also bless the parents as well. Uh, and so we have many who come and we just need your support. Can y'all do that favor for us and say, I want to be generous during this season as well and help us to be a blessing. I'm telling you, it's incredible to see uh, how God does that. All right. So we get in a series today entitled, I'm not in the mood. Amen. How many of you like holidays? That's it. How many of you don't like holidays? Any Scrooges? No Scrooges in the house? Who's a Grinch? It's cool. Be honest. This is a safe space. The non-judgment zone, right? It can be hard. Holidays can be difficult. I will admit to you, I don't do holidays well. I struggle. It's painful. This is not fun time for me. And so God kind of birthed that because I want to give space to those who oftentimes say, you know, I love holidays and it's cool. And yes, Jesus is the reason for the season, but I just don't always feel like being in the mood. And I want to kind of do that. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have therapy session together. Amen. So touch your neighbor and say, we're going to therapy together. It's a therapy together. I'm not going to invite you to be on the couch. I'm going to ask you to get on a nice, comfortable pew. Amen. That's going to be our, our couch. You don't have to stretch out, but we're going to need you today. So Matthew chapter 2 is where I want to start with for us today. Um, reading verses 3 and 4. Um, one of our incredible gifted members, man, Brother Dante Stewart's with us. He released a devotional, guys. It's incredible. You should go check it out. Very helpful and beneficial uh, concerning Advent, man. So let's support our young brother. We thank God for him. I appreciate you, my friend. Um, Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 from the Message Translation reads this way. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified, and not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time, he gathered all the high priests and religion scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? For the time which is ours today, I wanna, I'm shifting things. This is our new sermon topic for the day. I want to preach from this thought. I don't feel like losing my spotlight. I don't feel like losing my spotlight. They misspell losing, but y'all get the gist. Amen. <sighs> Lift those hands to heaven and say, Lord, speak. We need to hear. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. I don't do holidays well. It's difficult for me. Uh, it may be perhaps from childhood I struggled uh, with it. I remember grandma forcing me and granddad to go ahead up to the attic and pull down the dusty old Christmas tree. Same old Christmas tree we had 
since I was a kid, we still have to this day. <laughs> we would have to take down not only the good old dusty Christmas tree, but also that old dusty box of old Christmas lights. You know that old box of lights that only one in every two works? You light them up and some would come on and some don't come on. Some were red, some were green, and some we don't even know what color they were. Grandma would take out this little thing of garland and we would wrap the front porch and she had this old dusty wreath that we would put on the front porch. And I know you're saying, man, he's a little cynical, but perhaps for me as a child, I will admit why they all look dusty to me is because it wasn't really what was on the tree, it was what was not under the tree. And as a kid, I ain't gonna front, we didn't have much, so Christmas and holidays was not a time of high expectation in my household. And so you can imagine, as I'm seeing my friends go outside, some got Game Boys, some got Nintendos, some got Nerf footballs, and I sat there with a whole bag full of underwear, long johns, and other great utensils like socks. So you can imagine, as a kid, this begins to set some trajectory for you. I didn't expect much at Christmas. And I will admit, even as my sisters came on the scene, I just got really hurt because they were just some spoiled little brats. I'm saying they were spoiled. They got the easy bake oven. They got all the good stuff. And once again, I looked down at my little socks, long johns, and underwear. Even as I got older, it began to shift because really I know what you're saying. It's not about the gifts and you're absolutely right. But as I've gotten older, I will admit to you that holidays also reminds me of what I've lost. For some, it's family time, and you can't wait to get around family. For me, it's difficult because it reminds me every time I'm around family of the biggest loss of my life, my grandfather. It's been 11 years, probably the last time we spent quality time together, it was around Christmas. It's been almost 11 years, and it still feels like yesterday. I go home, and the house still is the same. His hat is still on the coat rack. His clothes are still in the dresser drawers. If you didn't know any better, you would assume my grandfather is still there. It's painful. It's hurtful. Because I didn't grow up with a lot of family. It was normally just me, my grandmother, and my grandfather. And so holidays is a reminder of what I've lost. And I don't know if I'm in here by myself, whether you can empathize or sympathize with me or not. There's others who would say, Pastor, I feel you. Sometimes this moment, this time is just not a good time. It could remind you of some loss. It could remind you of some pain going around people and sometimes you're struggling. And that is okay. Sometimes I don't feel like turning on the TV because I don't want to see another Christmas movie. I don't want to worry about other stuff. I just want to just be. You know how some people can give you those trite platitudes and just smile. It's still a good day. You should just be happy alive. Some days I don't feel like smiling. I want to be happy. I just want to sit there and brood and just be in my mood. Maybe it's the changing of the seasons. Scientifically, they say we struggle during this time. Seasonal affective disorder, that the colder it gets, the more colder our emotions are. So whatever it may be, sometimes it just don't feel it. Maybe I think I need to give space to people like that because I ain't going to front. Sometimes if you too cheery, you get on my nerves. I don't even want to be on social media. I'm tired of all your nice, cheery status updates. I don't care. Listen, listen. I mean, have you ever had moments just like that? And if you think I'm by myself and if you think you're by yourself, I want to make the argument today that those around the birth of Jesus were not as jolly as well. 
I know we've romanticized the narrative of the birth of Christ. I mean, I know you ride by people's houses and you see the nice picture with Mary and Joseph, this cute little baby in a manger, these wise men and shepherds and all that. But what if I told you that those characters around the birth of Jesus were not always jolly? That they perhaps wrestled with pain, heartache, trauma, and tragedy. I mean, if you read the scriptures, the Bible tells us that there was a man that went on a murderous rampage. He killed all the men, young boys under the age of two. What if you are the parent of a child that lost your child while they were trying to find Jesus? I can make the argument they weren't jolly. Or Joseph, I know you highlight Joseph, and yes, Joseph is a man of faith, but come on, let's step in the shoes of Joseph. If you were told the woman you were engaged to is now pregnant by the Holy Spirit, come on, let's be honest. And not only that, he has to bring her in, and the Bible tells he moves not just once but twice in order to make this thing to come to pass. I could make the argument that Joseph is not jolly. I mean, come on, even Mary, I mean, yes, she's saying it. She's a woman of God. She's got faith. But oftentimes when we read the story, you assume she's some young adult. She is a virgin teenager that is visited by an angel that tells her, you're going to be carrying the Son of God and you're going to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what she's got to wrestle with? The conspiracy, the uncomfortability. When people look at her, they see in her as this special child that has something about the Holy Spirit. And here's the crazy thing. While she's pregnant, she has to go a long distance she ends up in a place where she's getting ready to get birth but when she's getting ready to give birth to the son of God there is no room I can make the argument that we see so jolly and my brothers and sisters perhaps as we look at those characters over the next few weeks I want to look at it from the perspective of those parents and from Joseph and Mary and perhaps even the innkeeper but I submit to you today I want to start this story I want to start this series looking at someone who most of us would not want to put ourselves in their shoes I want to talk today from the perspective of a man who's been known as the villain of the Christmas story and his name is Herod I mean, Matthew 2 invites us to see him, this king of this province of Judea who is now uh, brought into a visitation with the Magi, the wise men. They come because they've seen a star in the sky and based upon their prophetic tutoring and tutelage under the school of Daniel, they now recognize that to be the star that corresponds with the Son of God, the Messiah, then being born. And can you imagine the text tells us that Herod gets this, Herod puts on the good face, but he's two-faced because uh, in his mind uh, he does not want this. Christ's child to be born you know how the end of the story goes he gets so enraged that he sends out a murderous plot he commits genocide that boys under the age of two are killed under his command that is the narrative of Herod and when we hear about his story that's what we see but I want to submit today that I don't want us to focus as much on his actions I cannot I cannot validate his actions and what he does he goes to the extreme but I want to submit today maybe we need to be honest about his motivations because if the truth be told I know you may not get it right now but what if I told you all of us potentially have a little Herod in us I'm not saying that you'll go to that extreme of genocide and, and killing of children but the motivation that caused Herod to be forced in those actions 
was based upon one simple premise. You know what it is? Uh, Herod in our text, the reason he devises this murderous plan, why he becomes the villain uh, when it comes to this Christ child being born, uh, this is the one thing that happened, is that Herod could not handle not being the center of attention. At this moment, what should have been a celebratory season where he, along with the Jews he was leading, should have been happy. This was a fulfillment of the prophecy that God says uh, that I will send upon you one uh, that will take the rulership of the government off of your shoulders. This should have been a time, a high mark in the history of the Jews uh, and of Herod. But Herod could not see beyond that because in this season of celebration, all Herod could think about is what he was losing. And I know my brothers and sisters, you don't want to admit it, but there are times... When you want to celebrate, but a part of you cannot get your mind off the fact that, yes, it's a celebration, but at what cost? And if we'll be honest, there's a part of us that looks at this season as a season of being replaced. I mean, I know, there you are. You've raised, oh, you're getting excited. You and the spouse are now getting ready to welcome a child into your home. You're making room and space, and everybody wants you to be excited, but there's a part of you on the inside. That knows in this season of celebration, it's going to cost you some attention and some time. I mean, you, you, you know it's going to be great, but there's a part of you that realizes the attention is going to shift. I mean, there you are. You have these children, and you're excited. They have finally found the love of their lives. They are engaged. They get ready to move, and they get ready to be married. And yes, people want you to be excited because on one hand, you're supposed to be gaining a daughter and a son. But there's a part of you that says, yes, I hear what you say. I'm gaining. But in your mind, you're losing your connectivity to your child. From then on, you're not the central figure in their life. It's a season of replacement. I mean, here we are, the end of the year, and all these... Uh, parties that's happening on our job and we're excited you you got friends who are being promoted and there you are in the party and you're trying to sip on some kool-aid and some cake but a part of you saying their promotion is good but now they're making more money and now they're getting closer and here you are you're struggling because now the attention has shifted from you even in church my brothers and sisters sad commentary but it's true there are some people yes on one hand they applaud with fake applause how the church is growing but their growth of the church means the lessening of their influence at some point it seems that simultaneously it's a season of celebration but it also feels like a season of replacement and at some point my brothers and sisters I think we have to wrestle with that because Herod raises that for us to consider and the thing he wants us to consider is that sometimes I have to be mature enough when the spotlight is no longer on me can you be okay if everyone is not calling your name can you be okay to think that yes God is still using me even if people don't acknowledge me in this season and Herod my brothers and sisters does not manage it well because if you're infected with jealousy you'll never be jolly maybe that's why you can't get excited at the family reunion because no longer your name on the front page of the family reunion gazette can you manage a season where you have to look at the insecurity that is causing my brothers and sisters, I want to take a few moments. I, I don't have much that's illustrative or applicable. I, they, these sermons over the next few weeks, I want you to, to plug in your own help. But, but let's have some therapy for the next few days. I really believe, my brothers and sisters, as we lift up these variety of characters that we want to come, I, I want to bring them in and I want to talk to them. I want them to once again voice some of our concerns because I really want to look at the reality because I wonder, can Herod have been redeemed?
I know he's the villain. I know that what he did cannot be undone. But I wonder if me and you look at the Herod complex that can sometimes rise up in our spirit. Maybe there's some things that we could do that Herod didn't do in order to be better. Maybe, my brothers and sisters, you don't have to be stuck in the mood that you are in. Let me share that. Let me just lift a couple of things. Here's a couple of observations. I think our text uh, seems to lift up for us today. And, and if I was talking to Herod, and maybe there's some other Herods in the house, I want to submit to you, I would tell Herod, maybe the reason you're not jolly and the reason why you're feeling jealous, what I would tell Herod is this, number one, I would tell him, guard against living in the insecure opinions of others. What I would tell him is, here's Herod, your first problem, you were trying to be good in the eyes of people who are never going to see you that way. When you study this, my brothers and sisters, the narrative of Herod is quite interesting. Herod himself, he comes from a line of leaders. He was born 73 B.C., and by the time 40 B.C. comes, he's now being placed in leadership over the province of Judea by the Roman government. He is now placed by the Roman government as controller over the Jewish people. It is his land. That's Bethlehem and others. He is over all of Judea. And I'll admit to you, if you study his tenure and his leadership, the first three years of his leadership was tight. There was insurrections. There were those who were trying to take his control but after about three years uh, he squashed his opposition uh, and he was able to ride out the rest of his 40 years uh, as the unquestioned leader of the province of Judea and my brothers and sisters I want you to know that even though he was in a lineage of leaders it is true that when you study it he would be considered the greatest of all the Herods matter of fact that was his nickname he was Herod the Great the reason he was considered Herod the Great is because when you look at his tenure and time, he had unparalleled success as a leader. Matter of fact, it is well known in Chronicle that he had some of the best building campaigns during his leadership. Matter of fact, there was a time when a famine had come in the area of Judea, but because of his ability to navigate in shrewdness how to operate with strategic measures, even though there was a famine, his people never starved. Even his foes and his uh, political pundits even had to say he is smart, he's loyal, he is well-liked. He walks then navigates this line very well. On the outside, Herod looked like he had it together. But there was a fault line in his life. Because when you read this passage, there was tension in his leadership. Number one, there was tension because he was under the control of the Roman government. So even that way, the Jews who he was over always were going to have a problem with him. But his biggest issue beside his connection to the Roman government, watch this, was his familial connection. Because when you read the narrative, you realize that what made Herod more disliked by the Jews was the fact that he was an Edomite. What's that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Uh, Edomite, my brothers and sisters. Uh, it was the arch rival, if you will, of the Israelite or Jewish people. In essence, if you were to study the, the legacy and lineage for the Jewish people, they would trace their lineage through the loins of the son of Isaac by the name of Jacob. Jacob, the one who wrestled with God, who had his name changed to Israel, they considered themselves the true children of God. But the Edomites, along with the Moabites and others, claimed their legacy and lineage not from Jacob, but from Jacob's brother Esau. In other words, they considered Esau's descendants to not be worthy. They considered Esau's descendants to be less than. 
They consider Esau's descendants to be deficient and dysfunctional. The people under Jacob thought that they were high, and those under the Esau family, they thought they were low. So can you imagine the tension of Herod? With all these great accomplishments, the builder and a leader and a strategic, but no matter what he does, the people he's called to lead are still looking at him as an outsider. No matter what he accomplishes, no matter what he does in his life, he still is considered someone that's not worthy to be valued. And child of God, I want to submit for you today that Herod perhaps embodies most of us because if we were to judge the accomplishments of Herod, most of you would say Herod is moving. He He's progressing, but I'm always quick to tell people that's why you can't judge movement as a place of progress because some people are moving towards something while other people are moving away from something. And all you see is movement, but you don't know why they are moving. Maybe I need to talk to some people that's ever felt like an outsider. No matter what you do, they still see you as less than. No matter what happens in life, you can get 15 degrees and have umpteen jobs, but no matter what, they still look at you as the black sheep of the family they still look at you as somebody not worthy to be acknowledged and I wish I had some honest people in the house I know I ain't the only one that got family drama I know I ain't the only one that can look at themselves turn me down a little bit that can also testify that you grew up in a family where some people told you they were cousins only to find out they were siblings I know I ain't the only one that grew up in a family that when things were getting tighter they were quick to label you and tell you what you couldn't be so here you are after all you've done they still want to bring up the fact you had a child out of wedlock or tell you that you had a divorce or tell you you got laid back in school but somebody can testify that you struggle at some seasons uh, because at some point you are wrestling uh, with trying to find value in yourself uh, when people around you who's supposed to love you and support you uh, never see you for who you are. All they can tell you is the negative stuff you've done. Uh, all they can tell you is the hindrances and the back stuff. I wish I had some more people that can sympathize with Herod and say, PG, I feel you because there are moments I'm struggling because I'm trying to get validation in the eyes of people who will never validate me. And I know you don't want to say it, but part of you keep accomplishing, not because you have a desire to accomplish, but you're so bent on trying to prove people wrong. And because you're trying to find approval in the wrong eyes, you end up getting caught up in the wrong relationships and make the wrong decisions. And my brothers and sisters, that's why I come to help deliver somebody. I would tell Herod, Herod, stop trying to be great in their eyes. You will never amount to anything, but you don't live your life based on their opinions. But there's somebody who still has some value in you. That's why I come to help somebody to let you know it don't matter what people accuse you of. It don't matter what people try to label you. There's a God that still sees you with value. That's why the Bible says no matter what has happened in your life, I want you to know, child of God, you are not a mistake. You are not a less than. You are not somebody that should be looked over. The Bible is clear. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. And I ought to have somebody that can help me preach at the 12th that say neighbor it took me a while but I'm starting to appreciate myself it took me a little while to get over the taunts and the negativity and I ain't gonna front and mess with me for a while but I'll understand now that I'm not meant to live my life based on other people's opinion but lean over to a neighbor and say neighbor today's moving day I'm moving out of their negative opinions into the opinions of my God and I'm not gonna be stuck based on their own limitations but 
but I know how God made me and God made me to be somebody valued and to be somebody special look over to somebody and say neighbor stop letting them drug you down that's tough and I know I know you don't want to say it but that was a challenge that he wrestled with I would say Herod listen bro I know you want to get validation from them but they'll never affirm you and I don't know who I'm talking to today but some of you are looking for affirmation that's never going to come. And if you're waiting on them to affirm you, you're going to always be stuck. But at some point, it's got to click. I don't need your affirmation. Because as long as I got God on my side, I got everything I wish I had. I don't know why the Holy Spirit got me hung up there. But touch a neighbor said, if don't nobody else cheer your own, God will. If don't nobody else said you're wonderful, God is. If don't nobody else say you're going to make it, God can. Is there anybody that can testify that I'm making a decision that I'm not living in the negative opinions of others? He says, number one, I would tell Herod and others guard against living in the insecure opinions of others. But then number two, I would also say, Herod, check this out. You got you to gotta understand this, number two. Don't be dismissive of God's power at work in others. Because here's what's crazy. Honestly, this is where we sense the tension, the congruency that's being manifested in the narrative. I could make the argument that because of his connection as leaders to the Jews, he was keen to know the prophecy and power of God. I could make the argument, even though it's not explicitly said in Scripture, there had to be something in the life of Herod that he understood that nothing he accomplished was done absent of the power of God. What I raise in this principle is not that he questions the work of God. The issue is, Herod has a problem that God is working seemingly without him. See, Herod is cool as long as he's the unquestioned leader. Herod is cool as long as he's the most gifted in the room. Herod is cool as long as everybody acquiesced to his request. The problem comes when another gifted individual is brought on the scene. And now we get to see the true maturity of Herod because now he's being stretched to come to the place of realization that God can gift other people just like he gifts you. Oh, y'all ain't going to like me here because this might be where we're closer than Herod than we want to admit. See, you cool with everything as long as you're the life of the party. You fine as long as you are the center of attention. Oh, you are the man or the one man as long as you got the microphone. But the true test of your maturity is when somebody else just as gifted or more gifted gets an opportunity. How you respond to their season of exposure speaks of your level of maturity. Y'all ain't helping me here. If the only time you can worship is when you got the mic, something's wrong. If the only time you can encourage somebody is when you're leading, something's wrong. 
See, some of us have to get to the point, and that's why I struggle, because many of us, we want you to run, jump, and shout when we sing solos, but the true test of the matter is when it's somebody else's chance, will you back them up just as hard as they backed you up? Okay, come here, preacher. I hear you. You got a word from the Lord, but I be watching people. I want to know, can you be as just an encouraging with the preacher when it's not your time to preach? At some point, here's the true test. Can you celebrate the gift of God in other people's life? Y'all ain't trying to help me because I'm trying to spit truth right up in here. See, it's easy when everybody looks at you and pats you on the back and tells you you're the best thing since a milk cookout milkshake. But can you do the same thing and celebrate God's goodness in somebody else's life? But I know the problem. Some of us only give God praise. If people watching us, some of y'all only shout hallelujah when the camera's on you and you be streamed across the nation. But the true test is can you celebrate the giftedness of God? when it's evident in somebody else's life when they're not looking at you but they looking at them can you shout hallelujah can you glory God can you encourage them can you say I'm glad for you even when it's not your season of the spotlight that's why I child of God this point of my life I realize there's only really two types of people either you a cheerleader or a firefighter you do know the difference a cheerleader is assigned to a specific team. Now, here's what I love about cheerleaders. Their devotion to the team is not predicated to the score. The team could be winning and they gonna cheer. The team could be losing and they gonna cheer. The cheerleader's job is not to determine the score. The cheerleader's job is to be an encouragement to help out the team. Y'all ain't helping me here. But see, on contraire, mon frere, there's a difference between a cheerleader and a firefighter. A firefighter's job is to find the nearest fire. And as soon as they find the fire, open their hose out and put water on the fire. The firefighter's job is to dampen the atmosphere so nothing else would catch on fire. Y'all gonna catch this in a second. Can I go ahead and tell you, you need to figure out if you got cheerleaders or firefighters on your pew. What you need to do is a quick pew check. Holler up and down your pew. If don't nobody respond to you, put your little Baptist finger up. Tell a guest service, I need you to move me because I need to find me some cheerleaders. I need some folk that can encourage me. I need some folk that can be happy for me. See, that's when you begin to mature in God. When you can celebrate what God is doing in other people's life. I'm tired of people that can't celebrate nobody else. I want to see you do well. I want to see you prosper. I want to see your marriage work. I want to see your children do good. I want to see your dreams come to pass. I want to see your visions be outlined. Do me a favor, grab a neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, let me encourage you. I'm excited for you. I'm happy to see what God is going to do. And baby, can I prophesy in your life? He can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than I can do. Matter of fact, let me shout in advance for what I'm believing God is going to do. Some of y'all firefighters stay seated. I need to know where y'all are anyhow. But if you're a cheerleader in the house of God, you ought to be touching everybody around you. And say, neighbor, I want to see you do well. I want to see your business boom. I want to see you get money in your pocket. I want to see you look good and drive good. I'm a cheerleader because I'm excited about what God going to do in your life. 
That's the wrong neighbor. Touch two or three people. Tell them, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I get excited to see God move in somebody else's life. That's what I tell you. One of the sole reasons I think God has done some incredible things in my life is because he strategically positioned me around people who generally you do not worry about what God is doing in my life. I generally got people that care and want to see me do well. And maybe that's the reason why some of you ain't jolly. You got the wrong crowd around you. No, in this season of my life, I need all the encouragement I can get. I don't need no haters. You can stay at home. You can keep your little likes and posts and comments. I need some folk that genuinely want to see God move in an incredible way in my life. I would tell him God can work in your life. That's why I've learned. That's a good time to shout is when God is blessing your neighbor. Because that just means he's in the neighborhood. Oh, look up and down your rosa neighbor. Let me just go and give you 10 seconds of some praise. I'm going to go ahead and shout for what God is doing in your life. See, y'all missed it. I'm going to go ahead and celebrate what God is doing in your life right now. Let me go ahead and thank him because he's been good and he's been better in your life. He tells us, he tells us. Number one, I, I would tell Herod, listen here, bro. Don't, don't stay in the address of people's opinions about you. You'll never get affirmation. You got to learn God is all you need to affirm. You. I would tell them number two, don't be dismissive. God can work in other people's life. And you should be a cheerleader and not be a firefighter. But here's the third thing I would tell them, and I would hope to bring some healing to his hurtful heart. I would say, notice, Herod, this is the third thing I would tell you. Validate your worth in light of the success of others. This is what I would tell Herod. It's my simple premise of this message. I would tell Herod this. There's enough space and room in the economy of God for Herod and Christ. Y'all missed it. It's not an either or. But God can bless you and bless them at the same time. So I don't need to feel like God is picking sides. But when I mature, I realize that the same God has enough room in the kingdom that you can do well and I can do well at the same time. Oh, y'all ain't trying to hear me. But see, that's what some of us need to come to the realization. I would tell Herod, Herod, you may not be the main character, but you can still be a character. You, you may not be the sun, but you can still be a star. At some point, you got to learn how to appreciate how God is using you and someone else at the same time. Which means I don't have time to get mad and start pouting and getting a temper tantrum because the spotlight's on you. As long as I'm still on the stage as long as God is still calling my name as God is still using me you can be out front baby I'll be in the back like the temptations and doing my little part and singing my little song and holding my note because when things start happening if he's blessing you he can bless me at the same time y'all don't like to hear no bible but Jeremiah 29 11 said for he knows the things I'm going to do for you to prosper you 
you and give you an expected end. In other words, what Jeremiah was saying is God is so powerful that he knows the plans for each and every one of us, which means he can bless you and bless me at the same time. My grandma would wrap it up this way. She would say, Charlie, this is how I learned to shout because what God has for me it is for me, which means I don't have time to play a hater on what's happening in your life. All I got time to do is count the blessings that God has in my life. That's why at the end of the day, the Bible is clear that when you're faithful over a few things, God will make you ruler over many things. And ought to have somebody in the house that can testify, I ain't got time to be jealous because every time I turn around, the Lord keeps on blessing me. Every time I think of something else, God keeps making a way after a way. I feel like having some church lean over an elbow, a neighbor next to you, and said, neighbor, you better be jolly, baby. This ain't time to be jealous because the same God that blessed you is the same God that can bless me. And I've learned to appreciate how God made me. Can I tell you what frees me? That at the end of the day I'm grateful that I don't have to be like nobody else that when God created me he threw away the mold I may not be who you like but I like me I may not be your number one preacher but I like me which means I'm glad that I walk like God wants me to walk and I talk like God wants me to talk I gotta go grab someone by the hand shake that neighbor's hand like you're getting a turkey sandwich from him shake that neighbor's hand like you need some more food from leftovers and say neighbor can we celebrate one another can we give God praise because the Bible says where two or three gather touching and agree it don't matter if you're lesser or greater when two people come together the Bible says God shows up in the midst which means I ain't got time to hate on you because when we get together there's a promise from God that he's going to show up right on time grab that neighbor beside you and said neighbor will you help me bring God in the house can you help me bring God in the sanctuary which means he can take you and he can take me and still bring his presence if that's your testimony open your mouth and shout it yeah. shout it yeah. shout it yeah. Say, come on, neighbor, let's do this thing together. Come on, neighbor, let's celebrate together. Come on, neighbor, let's bring God in. I'm done. I wish I had a book. Listen, everyone stand there. You ain't got to hate on Christ. There's enough space in the kingdom for both of y'all to be who you're called to be. I wonder if Herod would have embraced him a little differently, how the narrative might have been different. Because here's the challenge, and here's why you got to be careful being jealous of people and hating on people. 
Because here's what Herod didn't understand, Deacon Brown. Christ came, the Messiah came to save everybody. If Herod's murderous plot would have worked and would have killed the Messiah child, it wouldn't have just hurt the child, it would have hurt him as well. Some of y'all don't realize you're hurting the ones that God sent to be a help. Why you gonna hate on me and God sent me to bless you? As we stand, I, I wrestle because I think at the end of the day, that was Herod's main issue. He could not manage not being the center of attention. And I know you're not going to admit it, but maybe the reason why some of us are not jolly is because you ain't the center of attention. And I know you're not going to admit to it, but the truth be told, some of us are addicted to attention. So, so you, you got to be the center of t- you. You got to be the life of the party. If people don't acquiesce to you, you got a problem. If they, if they choose another friend over you, you get mad and you cutting them off. If they don't put equal enough time in you that they do with others, you have an attitude and don't want to hang with nobody. That's a sickness. That's an addiction. That's, that's an unhealthy response to attention. Matter of fact, Facebook is now coming up with an idea that they're going to stop allowing likes on Facebook because there have been instances of people who have committed suicide because they didn't get enough likes. We're in a time where most of us can't manage life unless people are always looking at us. So we got to do something controversial and, and we got to always be on social media and see and say something just to see who's checking you out. At some point, that's an unhealthy addiction. One of my favorite books was entitled Anonymous by Alicia Britt Cole. Every person that comes and claims a call to ministry, I invite them to read this book. It changed my life and my ministry. In this book, she writes about the anonymous years of Christ from birth to 30 that is not chronicled in Scripture. And she says it becomes exemplified. You can tell how he's matured based upon those years that he was out of the spotlight. So he, she uses the, the three temptations. Turn stone into bread. Turn, if you fall, have an angel come get you. And the last one, which was simply where he said, bow down to me and I give you the kingdoms of the world. She said that when he comes to the last test, Jesus could not require it or not need it because for 30 years, watch what she says, God had put Jesus on an applause fast. He didn't need to be applauded for 30 years. So when he's now asked to have an applause because he had fasted from it, he didn't need it. I want to submit for many of us, part of the challenge is that most of us don't know how to handle not being the center of attention. Where's your place where you're being humbled? All of us need a place that keeps us grounded and connected to our humanity. For me, it's my house, going home, Greensboro, North Carolina. Augusta, man, I'm PG, Pastor Goodman, across the country, do all this, do all that, but guess what? 
When I go home, I'm not PG. I'm not Pastor Goodman. She don't care how many campuses we got, how many people show up. I'm little Charlie when I get to the house. I still got to sleep in the same bed that I, that I grew up in. It ain't even my room no more. As soon as I graduated, it became their room. So I had to move stuff over and had to sleep on a little slither of the side of the bed. I go home, I got chores. Mop in the kitchen. Had to go pick up a bundle of bananas for my grandmother. Fill the car with gas. I can't go and come as I please at my grandma's house. Had to ask for permission. Hey, Grandma, I want to go to the movies. Is that all right? What time are you coming back? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do what I want to do. I was tired on Thanksgiving. I wanted to sleep all day. She walked in my room every 30 minutes. Charlie, need to get up. <laughs> get up. I'm like, Grandma, I'm sleeping. What you? Get up. Put some clothes on. Get in the shower. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> to just be up. <laughs> I ate when she told me to eat. <laughs> I don't make no rules, nothing at that house. And it's cool because at the end of the day, it connects me with who I am. Y'all see me as PG, but it's good to know at some point, at the end of the day, that woman changed diapers and she's seen all the good, the bad, the nasty, and the mess. She, at this point, at 92 years old, she gets whatever she wants. It's cool. And so at some point, where's that place for you? Because when you cease needing it is when God can give it to you. I'm quick to tell people, I really believe this. When you don't need attention is when God can give you attention. When you don't seek the platform is when God puts you on the platform. When you don't seek the spotlight is when God lets it shine on you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, due season, he will do it. My prayer to God has always been, I don't want to walk through any door that someone else opened but you. At some point, that's, that's what it has to be about. What's your addiction? Do you need the validation? And if you're not careful, you can be a heretic. Matter of fact, that's, that's going to be our new term. I'm about to open up the door. We're going we to retire hater. That, that's so 2019. Y'all got 30 days to, to say hater for 2019. Going in 2020, the new term is you being a Herod. You better stop tripping. You being a Herod. You check yourself, girl. You being a Herod. Hater, you got 30 more days to use that term. 2020, we're going to talk about you need to stop being a Herod. Doors of the church is open. There's one here today that does not know Christ. We invite you. That's one of the that needs a relationship with him. We invite you to come. What an awesome opportunity for us to connect with one who is so incredibly amazing and wants the absolute best for each and every one of us. That's why this season is so important. It's our time to expect the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here and do not know him for yourself, come. You can do in balcony. Even if you're viewing us live stream, I'm amazed at the thousands and thousands of people who view our I broadcast every week, and we have had many who've connected with our church through technology. We are truly a church without walls, and I'm incredibly honored for that. If you're here today and do not know Christ, come. If you're here today and say, listen, I want to make a connection to the church, come. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. This is the non-judgment zone. We want you to step out by faith today. Can you do me a favor? Can you evangelize on your pew? And say, neighbor, I'll walk with you. I promise you, I'll walk with you. Say, you got a cheerleader with you. I am not a firefighter. But he wants you to come. There's still power in connection, still power in us operating together with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're here, come. Well, quickly, we'll open the altar up. Maybe there's someone today who say, Pastor, I needed this sermon because I got a little Herod in me. I know you ain't going to admit to it, but just, just everybody come so somebody won't feel bad. I'm about to help you. Because we don't want to admit it, but it's struggle. It's tough. It's tough when you're no longer getting your name called. I want you to know you still got value. It's okay. Seasons shift and seasons change. Let's pray together. Need your prayers. We're going next week. I want to talk about those parents that lost children. Because sometimes, some people are not jolly during a season. Because it's a season of trauma and tragedy. This family blesses me. They just lost their granddaughter last week. And they still have been committed to coming to church. Y'all my heroes. I appreciate you. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is. And know we're praying for you. We love you. And it's a journey. Grief is a journey. It's not a destination. I always tell people that. You know, grief is, grief in some, you know, I think sometimes we can be insensitive and we tell people, just get over it. It ain't that easy. Because just when I think I'm making progress, I ain't going to front. Something will happen and it'll bring back and you'll be like, oh. For me, it's going home. It's absolutely the best and worst thing. I struggle going home. I need to go, but I don't like going. I know I ain't the only one that feels that way. His hat is still on the coat rack. His clothes are still in the drawers. It's painful. I struggle. As much as I go, I, I, it drains me. I came back from home depleted. I was so drained. I got sick yesterday. Didn't even feel like preaching today. And I was all because I couldn't manage the grief comes like that. Grab someone's hand. It's alright if your pastor bleeds sometime. I want you to know I'm human just like everyone else. It's tough. I hope you do go to that grief support. It's a struggle. But if you need it, it's a good place to, to release. There is therapy in tears. I'm grateful that God gave us the gift of tears. I don't know why God got me saying this, but I need to tell somebody. The Bible never says don't cry. The only thing it says is he'll wipe every tear from your eyes. He can't wipe what you won't release. <laughs> every now and again, you need a good cry. Sit and lament and pain and grief. That's the only way it can heal. Don't let people rush you through that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you and we bless you and we glorify you today. Season of Advent, season of expectation. And God, we ask simply that you would continue to walk with us, guide us, and lead us. Thank you for a safe space to be honest that not every day is a good day. 
And sometimes we're just not in the mood. I'm grateful for the people that are honest about their emotions and can wrestle with the fact that eh, it's not really a good time. God, I thank you because you are the God of all comfort and strength and you can handle even our bad days. You can handle our rough moments. You can handle our disappointments, our trauma, and our pain. And today, we'll be honest, we never looked at Herod this way before. And we have to admit that we got a little Herod in us. Because if the truth be told, we can all be addicted to attention. So Lord, what we ask is that we not find value in the opinions of others. Some people will never release us from what they think they have on us. But God, I thank you that you allow me to survive what I've been through. Oh, some people don't even look like what they've been through. Thank you, God, for a God that didn't make our worst day our last day. <laughs> that let us keep pressing through even mistakes and wrong turns. You still allowed us your grace and your mercy. So, Lord, give us the strength to be able to celebrate other people. God, you're doing some incredible things. Let us not miss out on the gift of others. I squeeze that neighbor's hand as a reminder to let them know I celebrate them. I celebrate what you're doing in their life. I'm excited because you're doing some incredible things. And here's the good news. I don't have to compete. I just compliment. So, Lord, thank you that there's enough space for all of our gifts to be manifested. Whether in the front or in the back, God, we're still part of your master plan. So, Lord, heal our hearts. Don't let us be like Herod. Don't let jealousy infect our soul. God, I pray for the families who struggle with grief at this time. Prepare our hearts even on next week. I know it'll be a tough message. So, Lord, in advance, we ask that you get ourselves ready. Because sometimes we don't feel like losing our joy. But here's the good news. Weeping may endure for a night. And night can be a long time. But here's the blessed promise. Joy comes in the morning. So Lord, we thank you in advance. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Come on, release their hands. Give God your absolute best praise. Hug somebody on your left and right. And tell them God got you. God got you. Amen. Love you guys. We got a long night tonight. 5.30 baptism, 6 o'clock. Baby dedication. Come out, care like communion. Our worship and arts ministry is ready. Lift those hands. I'm going to let y'all go. Repeat after me. Say, because I've been blessed, I'm going to be a blessing. Love you guys. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the most impactful place on the planet, Tabernacle Baptist Church. Don't forget, go by our website, tbcaugusta.org, there to see all that we got going on. And also, I thank you in advance for your benevolence and your gift that helps us promote the kingdom of God. Listen, I want to see you come back. Check us out later. Love you much. Take care. Peace.